Um, good afternoon, everyone. This is Jose Moreno. I'm joined by my friend and philanthropist, uh, Cliff Averill. Cliff, how are you? I am good, man. I'm good. Just staying out the way, man. Been in the house for three weeks, so I'm just I'm just chilling. So tell tell me a little bit about why you why you've chosen to self quarantine so quickly. Well, one, I think, um, you know, as we continue to figure this thing out and figure out how serious it is, you know, the best option is to stay away from people, right? Um, you know, just keep your family close and kind of staying away from folks. And, and as we continue to figure out how contagious it is or how you're, you're getting, you know, how people are getting this, um, this virus, you know, until then, I'm just going to stay away from people. So I just think I'm doing my part in trying to figure it out, one, and hopefully not getting it or spreading it and cliff i think one of the the biggest things that i think we need to let people know is yes you come from a football background yes you do a lot of philanthropy work but you've also been in in, in a place that has been hit by by tragedy and that is haiti and in your efforts to make things better in that part of the world can you tell me a little bit about the work that you did there yeah, no. So uh, first and foremost, it starts with my parents, right? Both of my parents are Haitian. Uh, they both come from Haiti, born and raised there. They didn't come to the States to the 80s. Um, and I used to go there as a, as a kid every summer, you know, to go visit my grandma, go visit some cousins and whatnot, be there for a couple of weeks. And then I, what I realized was they were sheltering me from the reality of what's really going on in that country. You know, I'd go, my my, my parents, my grandparents would have, you know, meals and everything else but they would shelter me from seeing what's really going on in the country and as I got older and I started to realize you know kind of what's going on I started going back on my own as an adult um, you start to see the reality of what a third world country looks like you start to see uh, you know the things that you complained about, how much they really are relevant to what real issues are in the world right so um, as I got older and started playing ball, um, one of the biggest things that happened was they had a, a, a huge earthquake um, back in 2011, I believe, or 2010. And then they had a hurricane come through in 2015 and 2016. Um, at this point is when I'm kind of, you know, an adult and I'm, I'm figuring out what all I want to do and how I want to get back. And, you know, after that, that hurricane, it, I mean, it was it was devastating, you know, wiped out so many towns and vegetation and different things like that. So I wanted to give back. So that year I did sex for home. So for every sec that I got that year, I would build a home in Haiti. Uh, and fortunately, it was one of my highest um, uh, recording of sacks. And on top of that, you know, people in the city of Seattle, some some donors actually matched the donation as well. So I had 12, I ended up building 12 stacks, the irony in that with the 12s, obviously. And then, you know, having people add on to that. So we ended up building 25 homes that year and also built this elementary school out there as well. So uh, just trying to do my part, man, for a country where, where you know, they, they don't get enough positive light. I'm um, trying to, you know, bring some of that to their way. That, that uh, that's great for everybody to hear, especially for people to understand how how one's impact really really resonates and it has a longer lasting impact. You can hand out a hundred dollars to everybody mm -hmm. in that town, or you can build homes and schools. Mm -hmm. And I think that's going to be the key for those areas that are devastated: um, hurricanes, tornadoes, mm -hmm. you know, natural disasters. I think the the most value we can bring as humans is not necessarily handing out cash, but handing out 
uh, futures and, and foundations. One thousand percent, man. And and I'm a firm believer that because a lot of people and and there's nothing wrong with giving. I, I want to put that out there. There's nothing wrong with giving, but I think the best way of giving is teaching people how to fish, right? Teaching them, not just giving it to them. Meaning, you know, uh, and this is just a, an example. And again, hats off to what they do. Uh, Tom's, for example, you know, they'll come into a country and. Uh, I'm talking about the shoe, uh, shoes uh, brand. They'll come to a country and they'll, you know, hey, we're going to give out a million pairs of shoes to this country. Well, that's great for that time being, but you just put out all the, the shoemakers and all those people out of business. So when people actually, those shoes that you just gave away run out and they, they need new shoes within a year, they don't have any shoes to go. They don't have anywhere to go get shoes, right? So instead of just handing them stuff, teach them trades, teach them how to make things happen, so they can, so they it can be everlasting more so than just a temporary fix. Yeah, and I've seen that you are doing a lot of work. Um, you guys just made a big donation. You and your family foundation. Can you tell me about that? Yes, yes, yes. So uh, my family, my my foundation, Cliff Ever Family Foundation, and then also myself and my wife decided to match the donation from our our, uh, our organization. But in total, we were donating fifty thousand dollars to four different organizations here in the city of Seattle. And um, each one of those donate, uh, each one of those organizations play a big role in my beliefs and, and where I'm at. For example, the Boys and Girls Club, you know, it's a, it's a, a community center where a lot of kids come to, to to hang out and even get some meals and different things like that. And we decided to donate to them because, you know, a lot of people don't realize we talked about some of the, you know, a lot of jobs. Parents are, are jobless right now. They're unemployed and whatnot. And then some of these kids, they're not going to school. So that's more stress on the parents because now they're there and have to find a way to feed their kids. And on top of that, a lot of these kids, they went to school. One of the primary reasons they went to school is to be able to get a meal for the day. You know, so for me, donating to the Boys and Girls Club, um, you know, they're they're still going to feed these kids breakfast and lunch and snacks as well. And we gave them a, we were feeding them for the next month and hoping that obviously they'll be back in school by. That's one uh, organization where we uh, partnered up with Odessa Brown. Uh, we've worked with them throughout the years as well. And just what they do for the community is huge. So we donated some money to um and, and then a couple other various well but most of it pertaining to these kids needing meals and uh or helping out with getting aid for the virus as well cliff did you come for money no 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 i just took my parents so no far from it so is that a driving force for you in order to do good do you find that that Knowing the the situation that you came from, and, and now the blessed position that you're in through your hard work and opportunity, of course, do you think that has a lot to do with with why you and your and your wife are so charitable? Um, I think that plays a, a a part of it, but also for me, um, you know, I watch. I, I grew up in a small little community of Haitians, and I would watch them help one another out right no matter what their circumstances were they would i i remember seeing my mom you know she's like i'm not gonna pay my rent this month so i can help my neighbor pay her rent and then we'll do the next thing the following week right or you know she has a hundred dollar check and she sends 
50 uh, $50 of it back to Haiti to her family. Like seeing those things and understanding that no matter how bad you think their situation is, who she's sending money to, that $50 goes a long a further for them than what it does for us. But she's just she's just understands that, you know, they need help as well. So just seeing all these different things uh, growing up, I think plays a big role in why I am the way I am as well. You have uh, two really active children. How are you guys keeping them occupied? <laughs> they are de- definitely that, man. Uh, two active boys. Uh, if they're not fighting, they're doing schoolwork. So <laughs> it's either or. But um, they, they've been doing well, man. You know, they're, they're, still, they're still doing some e-learning through their school. So they have the workload there. And then also just... You know, they're, they're working out with me now. So, you know, that's their recess. Some days they like it, some days they don't. But uh, it's been fun, man. It's been fun to just be a part of their lives 24-7 more so than, you know, just handing them off to a school for eight hours of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, you, I, I have the, the the opportunity to have met your family, to make, meet your wife, who's an incredibly intelligent person. Tell me why it was so important for you to marry somebody with her qualities. <laughs> uh, I mean, where do we, yeah, I think the biggest thing with my wife is, um, one, she's been there from day one, right? I've known her since college. She's like one of the first girls I met at Purdue university. Uh, didn't, but we were really good friends. And I think that plays a big role. Uh, she's an industrial engineer. So in all reality, <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this out loud, but in all reality, she's the breadwinner if I didn't play ball. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so that's part of it. But um, more so than anything, man, I mean, she, she just loves me for me, right? You know, as a, as a professional athlete, you know, it's hard to find love. It's hard to find people you trust. It's hard to find people that, that are genuinely there for you. So um, just realize, that you know she really loves me for me she doesn't care about really any of this football stuff or any of the stuff that comes with being a football player and that's for me you know she has her identity she's not was her husband um and and that's kind of how the roles are and and I, I appreciate it for that where where did you uh when did you know she was the right person for you i mean I knew she was the right person for me once I got into the league and I started realizing all the all the chaotic stuff that goes with being in you know a professional athlete, right? You go to the clubs and you start you start to see the same people over and over. You start to see uh, you know the same type of energy. You know you're in the club. Me and this is just my opinion. No 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 knock on anybody else that finds love there, but that's not where I was looking for that. I, I could find myself really, you know, taking somebody serious. So, um, you know, after you start seeing so much of that stuff, man, you start, you start. Oh. I hear somebody who's yelling. He's, uh, he's probably happy that he, between, between art and math or something. <laughs> Can you imagine what our, our childhood would have been like under this situation. Oh man. You know what? It'd be completely different. And, and I, th- I think we would have went cra- more crazy because um, we are so used to being, like, I, I remember being outside all day. Right. I remember being yep. just playing around the corner all day. Like nowadays, most of these kids are homebodies anyways, you know, playing a video game and everything else. So it's not really affect. I think it affects us way more than it affects them personally. <laughs> Um, we obviously know that football is something that that had 
allowed us to to live the life that we live. What's one thing that football afforded you, not just financially, but from peace of mind to know that you were going to be okay in life? Oh man, football has afforded me a lot of different things outside of finances, man. Um, you know, I think the connections with people that I've met through the years, more so than anything, right? I've got to travel uh, around the world, like until up until I left for college, I never, outside of going to Haiti, I never left Jacksonville. You know what I mean? So being able to travel, being able to go, um, you know, to London to do stuff with the NFL, never just travel via football and, and those types of things and get to see the world, I think has been huge. Uh, that was one of the things. And then also, again, like I said, the people I get to, I got to, I got to meet and get to meet and that are friends right now from say somebody like a Michael Bennett yourself to, you know, some of these, some of my business partners, um, you know, just knowing these people, honestly, I wouldn't have gotten to meet them if it wasn't for football. So all those different things have been huge for me. If you had a chance to tell young Cliff Averill, let's say playing around the corner of Cliff Averill, mm-hmm. right? Let's say 13, 14. If you were able to tell that that young Cliff what life would be like as an adult, what would be the one thing that, that you would say to him? Oh, man. Appreciate every moment, um, you know, through the process, right? Because... I look back sometimes, even even just as a 33-year-old, and like, like, dang, you accomplished, you did a lot, right? You you, you beat the odds, you know, you you left Jacksonville, you, you graduated from Purdue, I, you know, you played 10 years in the league, you, you got to do all these, like, but I appreciate I until I retired to realize all enough to do and accomplish right so say appreciate the a little bit more sometimes sit and wow pushing that necessarily would have i don't know if i would have been able to do all those different things if i would have sat back and and and, and kind of paid attention to it but i do wish i would have appreciated it a little bit more in the moment than after the fact I would be doing a disservice if we didn't talk about football. Obviously, you're you're a very highly decorated person, but my my conversations tend to lean more on the person mm-hmm. because everybody talks to you about football. So I'm only going to touch on one subject. Why do you hate punters? <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't I don't hate punters. I've had issues with punters, but I don't hate them per se. They're still part of the squad. You still need them. Um, I, I don't think they're all absolutely sure, but you need water bottles. That doesn't mean <laughs> water bottles are part of the team. And listen, you and I have, a, I, 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 let me rephrase this. I tend to trash talk kickers and punters more than anybody you probably know. Is that yes, correct? That is very, very accurate. <laughs> so I, I tend to sit between Cam Chancellor, Walter Jones, and yourself during football games when we're watching games. Yeah. And during those times, I tend to always trash talk kickers. You are a very smart businessman, and you you never claim they're not athletes. I claim <laughs> kickers and punters are not athletes. But you did repost a video of you, quote-unquote, punking one of my own. And I just want to know, how close were you to laying them out? Oh, uh, you talking about Johnny Hecker, man. That, 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 that thing went viral so fast, but... 
So if people haven't seen it, it, you know, it's we're we're in a safe look, meaning we're just making sure he put the ball off. Yeah, he's gonna, you know, punt it off to, to our, our punt return at the time. And you know, I'm kind of talking away from him and he decides he wants to hit me in the back. So um he he, he hits me in the back, I fall <laughs> face first. So now I'm like, I'm looking around, I'm like it can only be the punter. Like, cause everybody else is in front of me. So it can only be so I look back, it's really the punter. So I looked at him like, oh, he's going to get to hers. Because at this point, the refs kind of see what was going on. They kind of stopped it. I run up to the sidelines, and one of the refs came to talk to me like, hey, you know, uh, uh, you know, watch it. Or he, he's like, we're, we're going to watch that next time. And Mike B finds out what happens. And <laughs> so the next the next <laughs> time fourth down comes around, we're in safe again. And um, I'm like, oh no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna punk him this time. But I'm thinking I'm just gonna punk him. I'm not like really gonna hit him. I'm not gonna cause us to get a flag yeah. or anything like that. So I run up on yeah. him. I kind of, you know, act like I'm about to hit him or whatever. He kind of, kind of like drops a little bit. You can tell he's scared. And then I'm walking back to the sideline, and Mike B just comes flying past me. And, <laughs> and I think Mike B really would have hit him if he didn't like he got down into a fetal position. And um, and uh, it was. He turtled. Oh, completely. He, he like legit completely, turtled. Completely. But um, I wasn't really going to hit him. But might be. I think definitely for sure would have um would have knocked him off for sure. <laughs> and you know what? To be fair, he would have been. That's fair game. If you if you as a kicker or a punter decide yep. to push or, or 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 hit someone, that's on oh, you. definitely on you. Uh, there's there's no excuse. You know you don't you know you don't want to mess with the big boys. Don't don't do that. Don't do that to yourself. No, no, and you know what? That's the only football I want to talk about. Um, there's a couple other things I want to I want to touch base with you, and, and that is your business ventures. And what what advice do you have for some of the players in the league now in terms of preparing themselves to catapult into a professional setting? I think the biggest thing, man, is just understanding your money, right? Understanding what goes on with your money, trying to understand it because most of us don't come from money. Most of us can't even hold the conversation really with our family, our parents, anything like that, you know? So just understanding that, Hey, put that, put the majority of your money away. You know, maybe you splurge on 25% of it or whatever. Half of it's gone before you even get it. So splurge on Thank you, Uncle yeah, Sam. Know, right. So maybe you enjoy yourself with twenty five percent of it, and then figure out what what it is you want to do. I do think, and as and and the blessing of me coming to Seattle is I get to meet a lot of individuals that are successful in their own industries or whatever. But the biggest thing is being able to pick the brains of those that are doing better than you. I think that is huge, right? Getting those opportunities and taking advantage of, it, especially while you're still playing, because. While you're playing, you can talk to any CEO in whatever city you're playing in. But when you when you retire, and if you didn't do well or you didn't get a Super Bowl ring, those doors tend to shut a little bit. So take advantage of those uh, those uh, those opportunities and networking, man. I think I truly believe your net worth is associated with your network, and you have to stay on top of that type of stuff. Um, you did some TV work during the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, is that something that, that not only interests you, but is that something that you're going to continue to pursue? Most definitely. Um, I, I want to continue to keep pursuing the media, the media world, whether that, that be radio here. And then I really want to do more TV stuff. Um, as you know, I had a radio show for the last year and a half here in Seattle. And now I'm trying to, you know, kind of take it to the next level. But the biggest thing for me is, is having the athlete's perspective, right? I, and I have no knock on anybody that, that's on TV that does what they do, that analyze 
guys and, and know the game of football. But I also think it's important to get the guys that have been in the locker room's perspective as well and having that dialogue. And I think it's entertaining, but also giving you a different perspective. So, yes, that is something I am looking to dive deeper into. You and I have had that conversation and, and, and you and I come from a from a football background, but we also come from a background of athletes mm-hmm. first. How important is it for an athlete? For, for example, you know that that Walter trusts me. So you trust me. Right. In a way that that bought me some 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 equity with you. But how important is it for the younger kids to understand or for anybody really in management to understand that reporters are, are out there, not necessarily with your best interest. So I'll give you an mm-hmm. example. The the conversation with Adam Scheffner and the Andrew Luck uh, retirement, mm-hmm. there was a video that just went viral a couple of weeks, a week ago, where he's saying, where they asked him, do you feel bad about leaking out that story before Andrew had a chance to announce his retirement? And his answer was, I have this story. What did you want me to wait <laughs> How important is it to trust the people that that are around you and then surrounding yourself and, and being able to cut off those people that, that you understand are, don't have the best? You know, it's, it's such a fine line because as, a, as an athlete, right, you, you're taught to be politically correct all the time, you know, from college on up and different things like that. And then you see these guys on TV, so you're assuming they have your best interest at hand most times and not. And in our reality, they, they have their own interests. Like they, they want to be the first to, and we live in that society now, right? Where we want to be the first to put things out and not necessarily even fact checking sometimes, right? I'm not saying Adam Shepard was necessarily that guy, but you know, you look at what he did with, with that. I don't know if he was the one that did the whole um, JPP when he went to the hospital and got, you know, his fingers amputated and different things like that, putting that out there. Like there has to be a line that's drawn. I do believe that. And as I dive deeper into this space, I think building the trust of the athlete is most important because in all reality, they're going to give you the best content. (laughs) If they they trust you, they're going to get Mm -hmm. you. But you have to build that trust with them. You know, you talk about me and yourself and my and I, like, I have trust in you that you have my best interest in hand. And I'm also going to just tell you the truth. Right. So, so I think mm-hmm. you just get the best content when you are that way instead of being the guy that is looking for clicks and everything else. You, I think that will fizzle out at some point when athletes start stop trusting you, stop giving you information. Mike B is one of your best friends. Yes, sir. Right? Yes, sir. That's my guy. What makes Mike B and Cliff Averill's relationship close? <laughs> oh man, we're like yin and yang, man. Um, I think I think that's what it is. You know, when we first got here, Mike B is the super vocal. You know, cuss you out in the heartbeat, and I'm more of the hey, bro, like let's let's tone that down a little bit, let's chill out, right? And and so I kind of I kind of slowed him down on that aspect, but he also made me a little bit more vocal. You know what I mean? And, and I needed that. Um, so that's one. And then in all reality, honestly, we, we talk about so much more than just football. Um, you know, us, us athletes, a lot of times, we don't want to sit there and talk about the sport we play every single day for the last 30 years of our lives, right? So we talk about business. We talk about family. We talk about, you know, we go on vacations every year together as a family. Um, you know, we bring he brings his family. I bring my family. Um, you know, we just understand each other. You know, that, that's the hard part. You know this. It's hard to be able to hold conversations with certain people. 
people because they won't understand your issues. They'll just tell you to suck it up, bro. Dude, you got a little bit of money in your hands. Like, what are you complaining about? Mm-hmm. Well, that doesn't mean I don't have issues, you know, and being able to have somebody like Mike B to talk to, I think it's huge. Um, and that's why we've gotten so close. Well, um, that's actually very, very true. Um, I, I think understanding that we all go through different things, that we all have different challenges, that we all experience things in a different way, but but still are human. I think that's that's something that gets lost in in not only the media but but in, in fans' perspective yeah. and, and not understanding that that athletes still have to go home and they still get in arguments with their, yeah. their significant others or their kids are behaving in school or they're doing different things. What's one thing that you can tell the fans in terms of that same that same conversational topic uh, of understanding the human side of an athlete? If you have to plead with with fans what would you say I mean, just understand that we're human beings too right you know we put our pants on just like the next individual we we brush our teeth we do everything just like the next individual i think i think i think a lot of times people correlate money with you either not being human or and wisdom too right um and i think you got to realize you know most of us are only if we're fortunate enough, we play till we're 30 but we're all under the age of 30 and and we're all just trying to figure this thing called life out. Uh, yes, financially we might be in different spaces, but that doesn't necessarily mean I don't have the same issues as you uh, as far as for the emotional side of things. And and when you say things to me or about me, yes, it hurts my feelings just like it hurts yours, you know? So like understanding <laughs> these things I think makes sense and, and, and just understand that we're all one, man. I'm just fortunate enough to be able to have talent to be able to play a sport that, that pays decent money. Cliff, thank you for your time. How do we find you on social and what projects are you working on and how do we donate to the Cliff Averill family? First and foremost, uh, the, the foundation is cliffaverillfamilyfoundation.org. You can see all the different stuff that we're doing in the community here in Seattle, back in Jacksonville where I grew up at, and also in Haiti. Um, so yeah, check that site out. That's cliffaverillfamilyfoundation.org. You can check me out on all my social media platforms. It's just at Cliff Averill, and if it's anything else other than that, it's probably fake. Um, so check me out on Instagram and Twitter. Those are my two main ones that I use. And then uh, as far as different things that I'm working on, man, I'm just trying to find ways to better myself. Right now, I'm just reading a lot of books. And on the business side of things, I want to continue to grow um, You know, from, as a businessman. I have a few different ventures that I'm working on. One in particular is SAC360. It's a uh, it's a pass rush academy that I'm doing with the professional athlete, uh, professional D lineman at the moment. Uh, well, we were doing it until we got quarantined. Um, and then also, just like I said, a few different business ventures from real estate to uh, you know uh, most of our family real estate properties and, and different things like that. So just a constant growth, man. Just growing and also media. I can't forget media. So yeah, I'm doing a lot, wide range of different things. Cool. Well, thank you for your time, Cliff. I appreciate it. And thanks for the conversation. Stay safe. And uh, we'll yes, chat sir, soon. Thanks for having me, man. Stay safe and uh, stay in the house.